Welcome to the Moving Pictures Podcast. My name is Kevin Workheiser. With me as always is Sean Sterling. Hello. Sean Herbert. Ladies and gentlemen. Connor Houghton. Hey. Chris Tognati. Hello. And uh, a new, most likely uh, recurring member, Katie Bethune. Hiya. Brian, not present. So, this week we watched Super 8. Super 8 is the story of kids who, while making a home movie, see a, a massive accident, and then the, the fallout from that accident, everything else about this has been sort of hushed up. So, uh, if you're worried about having it spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this off. But please, just don't turn this off. Inside the train they find that there was, in fact, an alien, and that alien is, uh, is the, the, the subject of much uh, consternation for local authorities uh, and the, the army and... Uh, uh, yeah, it's essentially E.T. meets uh, Cloverfield. I chose it because I knew that Sean Herbert was going to be in town. I knew he was excited to see it, yes. and uh, and we couldn't all get to Tree of Life in time. Warning: there will be spoilers for the film Super Eight in this podcast. I've got nothing against your friends. I like your friends. Be good for you to spend some time with kids who don't run around with cameras and monster makeup. I have to help Charles finish his movie. curious what everybody thought. I will let Sean Herbert start us off. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a devout Spielberg fan and not necessarily this being a Spielberg film, but I absolutely love this movie. Just about everything about it was, you know, tailor-made for me. And uh, I look forward to talking about it soon in further depth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean Sterling, what'd you think? Yeah, this is a good movie. I was sort of not 100% on board with it in the beginning, but once things started happening, I definitely got more and more involved, and I got more into all the aspects of it. Some of the acting amongst the kids was not my favorite, but then I warmed up to that aspect of it uh, later on, and yeah, it was good. All right, Connor, what'd you think? It was a good movie. It could have afforded to spend more time on details, more stuff about the aliens, and less time spent on build-up and suspense as the chief focus of the shot and the writing. I like the acting a lot overall. All right, and Chris? I thought it was pretty good. Certainly, I'd say markedly above average. I think the child acting actually was a lot better than I expected because uh, child acting is, is often abysmal, and this child acting was at worst serviceable. Uh, I wasn't so thrilled with the child writing, but that's, you know, that, that's, that's a, a quibbling issue that, that I'll bring up later. But yeah, it was, it was a solid, solid experience. All right, Katie, newbie, what'd you think? I liked it. I liked the fact that it centered around a group of kids as the main protagonists and uh, still managed to be pretty intense and a little scary for me. <laughs> All right, and I, your humble host, I liked it. I, I wasn't as in love with it as I was sort of hoping to be, and a lot of the negative things about it I keep remembering more than, than the stuff I liked. But the majority of the movie really takes its time and shows you a ton of the kid stuff. And that I had zero problem with any of like the kid interactions I really loved. I really got into them. I really liked them as characters. It just sort of didn't have the emotional resonance for me that I was hoping for and that I think it, it thought it did at the very end, especially. 
All right, so let's get things started. Uh, what did people think about the opening? It opens with uh, a scene in the factory where we find out that our young star, Joe's mother, has died. They uh, they are changing the sign from having it uh, 784 been, accidents. been 784 days since an accident uh, to being one because his, his mother was killed in an accident. We go to the funeral. What did, uh, what did everybody think about how it started things off? I thought it was uh, it was pretty good actually. I, I think that it imparted uh, all the necessary information with a very simple image. And that's always a very, in my opinion, a very appropriate way to start a film. Agreed. Like it was just almost like a perfect emotional kind of just way to enter into the film without kind of like hitting you over the head with anything. Uh, and they kind of just hint at maybe what happened to her, her death, so it's not just like you know spelled out for you. But then as far as like just you know uh, the interaction, because then you meet the. Uh, the, the kids in that scene and it's a sad scene but they offer you know a little bit of like levity and some humor to it so it prepares you for kind of that mixture of different emotions that you'll be getting throughout the film and uh, I, I really like that kind of introduction. How did other people feel about the writing in a general sense? I actually thought that the writing especially the dialogue for the kids was probably my biggest issue with it. In particular the sort of emotional ranges the kids have. The biggest problem I have is essentially they're filming sort of a, a low budget movie to enter a film festival near a train track and they try to get a shot of a train passing by but it derails and there's a huge explosion and the kids nearly die and then the very next day the director kid is like calling people up to see if they want to do his movie and that seemed in the moment just sort of beyond my suspension of disbelief that these kids would in any way be prepared to go back to that sort of thing a night after almost being killed in like a horrific train wreck. Not just in the train wreck, also the their uh, science teacher pulls a gun on them. That's true, <laughs> the yeah. science teacher who caused the train wreck by driving his truck into the train. Do not speak of this. If you do, they will find you. I didn't mind that at all, actually. I thought they were clearly very mature, intelligent kids uh, all throughout the film. And I liked that representation of them. I'd say I liked the writing for them because they were always presented as likable protagonists that were very capable of dealing with situations, much more capable than um, children are typically d depicted. I think they showed a lot of the range of reactions to that in the kids. Like, the director kid that you were talking about, he does seem to be the one that keeps wanting them to stop talking about it. And that, I feel like, does show that he was affected by it, but is kind of in the sense that he really would like to forget it and not keep bringing it back up again. But I, I thought that there was a really good range in the other kids, too, um, of how much they were affected and how it affected them. Especially, I mean, like, the conversation with the kid, I mean, I want to definitely attribute a lot of, you know, kind of the great range of that to J.J. Abrams, but uh, there's almost just a natural feeling to it that there had to be some, like, improv between the kids because there's the very sort of, well, the first time maybe of many times I'll use the word Spielbergian sort of overlapping conversations as far as trying to make it naturalistic and then even having conversations from like the background that you can kind of hear into the actual the foreground, the real conversation. Mm -hmm. And just, it's, you know, just trying to blend all those two together and just like, if it's all written, it's like fantastic writing. <laughs> I think my favorite aspect of the writing was how they handled the unraveling of the alien and learning more and more about the alien and how the characters that knew about the alien were able to talk about this thing in a realistic way. Let's still keep the suspense with the audience. The scene I'm thinking of specifically is the scene where uh, the army, the Air Force guy, is interrogating the science teacher, who you find out sort of had this bond with the alien earlier on when he worked at this laboratory. Their conversation, I feel like, it had me very uh, intrigued and captivated about like what 
specifically was going on uh, with what I assumed was an alien at that point. But um, that scene in particular, I thought was very good writing wise. And I very much enjoyed the process of learning more and more about this alien, which I think was pretty clever as a concept. I actually kind of disagree. I thought that after that initial reveal where they find out that, you know, once he touches you, you understand his plight about just wanting to go back home. I feel like after that, they really didn't do a lot of development with the alien. And I, I thought well, that I... I definitely could have had more and found out more about the alien because it just kind of dropped off and I kind of knew as much as I was going to. Well, you learn more about his ships with the cubes being this sort of shape-shifting thing that he uses to build a ship and that's really that's a really cool idea that I thought was really interesting. There are enough kernels of interesting new stuff for this alien I think in this movie that I think made him an, an intriguing sort of concept to base a movie around. You see, I feel like we've listed most of the good kernels, and there's really not that much. There might be like two or three more that we haven't listed, but you needed a lot more to keep it going for me. Well, there's the ship that he uses with his, he builds with his cubes. There's the, his psychic link, and then there's the, the his relationship to metal, I think, his magnetism. We've got calls from people who found local dogs, but the calls coming in aren't local. It's like they all just ran away. That's not that many kernels, though. That's three. <laughs> right. That's more than one, which is usually what winds up in movies. It's certainly more than zero, which I feel like is also... I don't yeah. think that's true, though. I think that they typically give you some information about aliens. More information than this movie typically... Really? Like what? Uh, like Independence Day. Uh... Independence Day is, you know, Independence Day is a really good movie. I, I, <laughs> but I don't know. Battle for L.A., for example. <laughs> you, you get more information in Battle for L.A. You not get a good. Lot of it. Not you, good information. Not, well, not you, interesting you aliens. just liked Battle for L.A., but you get a lot I of like detailed okay. information. The, in the aliens aren't more interesting than this alien, though. This <laughs> is the most interesting alien I've met in a long time. <laughs> I actually agree that I liked the process of sort of learning more about the alien. My complaint, though, and this is has to do with the way the film was marketed, too, is that it was this big sort of mystery about what's going on in Super 8. With Super 8, JJ made a movie that's uniquely very new and also really intriguing. We can't tell anyone. He's got the sci-fi genre blended with this amazing mystery. An eastbound freighter derailed what the cargo was on that freighter, we don't know. There's this element of intrigue and deep mystery. It's a tip of the hat to some of those early Spielberg films. It fails in its effort to be mysterious. Because hmm. I went in thinking it was an alien movie not having read anything about it, and then it was an alien movie. So, in my own personal experience, it failed as much as it could in that regard. They did sort of play up the, the fact of it being secretive. It hints at it being an alien, but doesn't specifically show the alien. But they sort of had to be super secretive for it to be at all surprising. You know what I mean? I think that if you start showing any alien in the trailer, then that's going to be too much alien in the trailer. And so I think that it's just sort of a factor of... of how many spoilers get out so quickly and how hard that is to protect against that it, it didn't have to be like, you know, no one can know about this, but it, it, it is better to be a little bit surprised for the, the surprises that exist. I guess my feeling really is just that I don't think the movie itself, that that is a big enough surprise. I don't think the alien in the total of what he is and what he's all about is a surprising enough entity that it merits all the build-up. J.J. Hmm. Abrams does like mystery involved in his films, but necessarily for this one, I think maybe it was just a matter of, you know, marketing, kind of getting a hold of it, and finding, thinking they had a good idea for putting butts in seats. Hmm. Um, because clearly the film uses uh, the alien sort of as just sort of very much a B-movie way as far as, like, science fiction, of using it as a vehicle to tell a very emotional story about kind of pain, loss, regret, forgiveness, coming of age. And that's the real kind of story. I mean, the alien is kind of a... I mean, I don't want to say superfluous, because it brings about 
kind of all the change that can happen in the characters and bring out these emotions. So it is very necessary. But it's the alien is very much kind of like secondary to what the function of the story is for like as far as for me what like the best science fiction is. I mean it comes up with a cool premise, but it doesn't focus necessarily on the idea of like, hey, check out our cool premise. Check out instead check out our cool characters trying to f find their way through this premise. And that's where the movie just succeeds uh, greatly. As far as the alien, another another cool thing that I really liked was his kind of crazy mad scientist lair that he had set up at the <laughs> bottom of the water tower that just felt like total, you know, kind of a B-movie type element that this, I mean, clearly the film is a, a love letter to Spielberg, but in the best way. I never think it like panders or it's a, a pale comparison. Um, but also there's just other elements that you can tell that J.J. also loves, which are like kind of 50s b monster movies and uh those kind of thrills that you get from that so i really like that extra element in there yeah i enjoyed the way they shot around the alien a lot too before you get like a full frontal view of him i think that that is partially at least a uh, reference to et as so much of this movie is a reference to et because there were there were no images of et released before the movie came out it, it similarly didn't show you anything except for like his fingers i think one tip if you look very carefully at the end of this scene you'll just be able to make out a couple of long fingers belonging to the creature. Well, that's the only scene with the creature that we can get from the film's distributor. I really don't like how they play hide-and-seek with these special effects and creatures. Time for another installment of Forgettable Villains from Forgettable Films. Give me a name. Fuck you! That's my name! <laughs> Dumpy Joe. Agent Smith. Proud Looker. Kaiser Soze. Illinois Nazis. Rocco. Mad Dog. Mother. Got Willa. Willa. You can call me Susan if it makes you happy. From Coach Carter. Ty Crane. Wait, who's that? You no may remember Coach Carter. Uh, he is the he's the star player for the other team in the big game at the end. He's portrayed as as as, as very arrogant. In a press conference, they ask him about LeBron James, and he says, "I believe he says, uh, you know, LeBron James is great, but there's only one Ty Crane." <laughs> and this is actually topical to right now because the character of Ty Crane is broadly viewed as uh, supposed to be Tyson Chandler, a current NBA player, who right now is one uh, one win away from becoming an NBA champion at the direct expense of LeBron James's Miami Heat. <laughs> Topical. So, yeah. He is a real villain. Uh, well, it depends on how you look at it. I'd view him as one of history's greatest heroes. <laughs> he to, uh... He's not forgettable then, either. Well, the, he, he's certainly forgettable in the movie. I like that you claim that he's widely viewed as anything. <laughs> and I would think that the real villain of Coach Carter was teenage angst. <laughs> Herbert, obviously, you think that this, as an homage, works very well. I thought that it definitely had its heart in the right place in terms of, of that. It wasn't just trying to be like, Look at this new wacky alien. It wasn't trying to be, you know, Mac and me or something, but but violent. But it was. Uh, I don't feel like it added that much to the ET relationship. I mean, it it sort of avoided having the Elliot ET relationship. So then the the only person with a a big relationship with the alien was essentially the the guy with keys on his belt uh, character, the the scientist who knew him from before. Mm -hmm. It did kind of for me suffer a little bit from that because I would have liked to have more caring about the alien 
or more time with Joe and his dad because I felt like how that ended up, you didn't get enough of them being mad enough at each other and enough of a reconciliation between the two of them. They just had been apart from each other, had dealt with a bunch of stuff, and then were happy to be back together. I agree wholeheartedly, actually. I really would have liked some more time with the father-son relationship. Because you really only get that one scene. I forget the exact line. He says, you don't know me. Yeah, yeah. Don't think you know me. Uh, But then it seems like the events with the alien... The sort of shared turmoil of dealing with this horrible alien sort of uh, sort of smooth things over. I do like as it relates to sort of being an E.T. homage that as opposed to having the E.T. relationship where the alien and the kid are best pals, it is the kid's sort of scared shitless of the alien. And the alien is kind of a killing machine, <laughs> but uh, they, they come to sort of a, a tense uh, <laughs> understanding of each other. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Kevin, about the dad. I feel like what I was expecting to see and wanted to see was more of a, a situation where either the dad was going to save the son or the son was going to save the dad, or they were going to participate in a larger sense in the climax together. But what happens is the climax happens and the dad shows up afterwards and he's just part of the whole giant crowd which includes like most of the characters in the movie just watching the alien take off at the end. The the thing to me that was really surprising was that the father is trying to figure out some information about what's going on in the town and so he hears a little blurb about something over the radio and then drops it to the colonel and says, you know, oh, I'll I'll go to Washington about Everything I know about whatever it was. Walking distance. Walking distance. And uh, the colonel says, oh, talk to me about it later. You know, we'll meet up. And he tries to meet up with him and he gets arrested and thrown into some sort of rudimentary brig. And the son just has no idea the father's gone at all. And so then that's weird to me that there he doesn't have a, the time to be like, oh my God, what happened to my dad? He's been kidnapped or he's been imprisoned. Or There's no reaction to that. And so then when he sees his dad, he's like, oh, okay, hey, my dad showed up. Wonder why he's wearing this military uniform. <laughs> I bet that's a wacky story, you know. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of stuff's going on at that point. You'll sure. focus on that later. I know he's busy. But I'm just saying, I would have liked him to, to just miss him. That struck me as a little silly, actually, because he does seem to go at least a night without his father, and like, there's no mention of, of him missing his father at all, which seems like just bad uh, storytelling to me. Yeah, as far as like your comparisons, E.T., were you saying that like. It didn't like add enough to. Uh, yeah, I feel know? like it subtracted the Elliot E.T. relationship and oh. didn't didn't supplant it with the father son relationship that oh, okay. I would have liked. You I see, see what I'm saying? Well, I mean, even with this one, but E.T. is much more so about being able to let go of your childhood and realizing you have to grow up at some point and be an adult, and kind of the alien representing sort of that childhood as it you know flies off. Mm-hmm. And with this one, I mean, it supplants. I mean, because like the father son relationship is like very important to the film, but. It much more centers on the kid being able to kind of come to reconciliation with what's going on. And just all the scenes with his father, I mean, preceding that final scene where they kind of meet up, I always felt kind of like the subtext or like kind of the tension and the loss and the hurt that was there. So I, I, always, I felt there was enough. And as far as like that final scene where they argue with each other, that was enough to like carry it on. And then kind of the film does require, I mean, Joe to kind of like strike out on his own with his friends and kind of rise to the occasion and, you know, become, you know, yeah, um, a man grow up in the sense and you know kind of you know triumph over what's happening and the catharsis that happens necessary with the alien because there's enough given of a development given to the alien to know that basically you know it's kind of almost two lost souls kind of like seeing into each other and understanding sort of their place and you know uh, coming to terms with one another and then that kind of catharsis from there is able to lead into since that he's had that, that that's enough for me to feel 
I mean, his love for his, like, father to go into that. Because, I mean, the father's separation from his, from his kid for that a period of time thinking he's dead, I mean, that's enough to make him realize, you know, hey, you know, I treated my kid wrong. Right. The adults are very much not necessarily a part of in a true Spielberg sort of child film. <laughs> they don't sure. play as a central part as the kid does. And then that's, the focus is on the kid, and I'm ha- very happy with that. I can totally understand what you're saying. I think that thematically it does have the, enough going on. Mm-hmm. It just didn't have enough character-wise for me. Okay. I think in terms of just its relationship to E.T., in E.T., like, the primary focus of the movie is Elliot's relationship with E.T. And while in this movie it is his relationship with his dad, then his relationship with his somewhat girlfriend, then his relationship kind of with his friends, and then sort of a little bit of his relationship with the alien. And then, more ultimately, his relationship letting go of his mom. So I feel like there's a lot of different threads that are pulled out in this movie, and the movie does a pretty good job of keeping all of that interesting. But I guess probably I would say that there's not enough room for it all, which is why I didn't get fully immersed in this film and why I don't think it's like a great movie and why I think it's just a pretty good one. I was surprised at how much I liked uh, Donnie, the uh, film shop guy. <laughs> that character. <laughs> uh, but there's one thing I didn't like about him, which is uh, the film's representation of him uh, smoking a joint and then falling asleep during this incredible war of the world sort of affair. They sort of hit sort of an anti-drug message there. Like, he's, she's too stoned. Oh, drugs are so bad. In reality... If he had smoked a joint, he would have woken up when the military started blowing up things around the alien. You don't know what else he'd done that night. All we see is the joint. It's a gateway drug. (laughs) A gateway drug in the span of like 30 minutes. He could have taken some heroin. Like you wouldn't take some heroin if aliens were attacking. (laughs) Just one second before we take this ride. Sean Sterling is a man out of step with his time, a man who believes in an ultimate good, the best of all possible things. To find it, he's fated to forever ask, which is better? Which is better? Okay, so which is better is uh, getting a bit of a revision today. It's going to be slightly different. So, Kevin Werkheiser, mm. you enjoyed Super 8. But I did. Which had a better ending, Super 8 or E.T.? E.T. Which had a better ending, Super 8 or Jurassic Park? Super 8. Which is better, ending-wise? Super 8 or Wally? Uh, Wally. Super 8 or Primer? <laughs> I don't really remember the ending of Primer, but I'll say Primer. Super 8 or Raiders of the Lost Ark? Raiders. The ending of Raiders of the Lost Ark is sort of the least interesting <laughs> it, part of that movie. Yes. <laughs> Super 8 or Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? <laughs> <laughs> they put the skulls together. Uh, I guess I'll go Super 8. No, Shia LaBeouf almost takes Indiana Jones hat. Indiana oh, Jones yeah. that's the very... Yeah, they get married. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm the ending's Super the best 8. part of that movie. Yeah. Well, that one. Super 8 or Wild at Heart? Uh, Wild at Heart is a better ending. Super 8 or Aladdin? <laughs> no, no, I don't really like the ending of Aladdin. <laughs> Super 8 or Star Trek, the new one? Um, Star Trek, the new one. Which has a better ending, Super 8 or Bowfinger? <laughs> What's the ending of Bowfinger? When they filmed the movie in like Thailand. Oh yeah, no, the ending of Bowfinger is great. <laughs> Love that. Jurassic Park or Lawrence of Arabia, which has a better ending. <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia. I 
thought it was weird that the other kids were sort of deprived from like being part of the climax as well. Uh, because I felt like for a large of the movie, all these kids were sort of in it together. Like, and it was also weird, like early on when they shedded a kid too, where they was like, "Oh, that guy's a pussy. He doesn't want to come." <laughs> I felt like it was just there was sort of like weird, like trimming of like the main cast and stuff like that to just get it down to the main guy. Yeah, and it seemed I don't know, it seemed weird because I thought that they established like this camaraderie between all these kids, and then they find reasons for them just to arbitrarily not be a part of, like, the confrontation with the alien. Well, the kid they lost needed to be... Uh, they needed someone to inform the dad as to where the kids were. He couldn't go with them, so they couldn't... So there had to be one person left behind, or, the, you know, maybe the sister yeah, could have ratted them out or something, but... He had the film. Yeah, and he had the film. I felt like the film didn't play as much of a part in it as I wanted it to. Okay. Uh, I loved seeing all the kid movie stuff, and you got to see a big bunch of that during the credits. Yeah, that and was enjoyable. That made me really happy. But the the fact of it, where it's like, well, we caught something on film, and you know, it's it's this big secret, was not as big as it was made to seem in the trailer. And I really felt like it was almost really superfluous. Like they didn't have to have taped anything. They could have just talked to the the teacher and had him pull the gun on them, and have that be enough to get them in the event. Obviously, they see it, and then they realize that there was something inside that of it. But confirms yeah, their but knowledge. Yeah. You're pretty pretty sure, you know? I actually like that uh, that they shed some kids. Just because I think that's more realistic. That's probably what would happen. I don't think all the kids would truck down to the, the cave. I feel like there would be one some kids who probably would not even want to go back to the town in well, a situation. you know, like realistically that. then, you might say, well, why would any kid go down there? I mean, like, the guy who blows up M-80s, how good of a friend is he with this main guy that's willing to risk his life because, to fight this alien? Because in that, scenario, in that scenario, you have no movie. In this scenario, you still have a movie that's a little more realistic and is still interesting. I do think it's realistic that that kid who uh, seems to throw up at every uh, intense juncture didn't come down to the cave. They would have wanted to if his leg had broken. <laughs> he would have been down there. I would have been there. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of people were talking about as far as like, well, that didn't seem realistic or, or that realism. For me, that these type of films can take leaps in life. I mean, there has to be enough there so that I'm not like, hey, what are you, what are you doing? But like a lot of the points that you guys are bringing up, I, you know, it just makes me sort of roll my eyes, but in a polite way. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> that where it's just not important to you know, for the realism for for the movie to function. Uh, right for uh, for me anyway for an audience all of the lead up stuff was so good and so realistic and you did have sort of overlapping dialogue and all that felt so totally real that then once it's like well but you know we j it's an action movie then it's like no but it was a it was a realistic action movie and now it's just an action movie so the ending uh we touched on a little bit. Right before the very end, there's a confrontation between the boy and the alien. And the alien sort of, for, for a very brief moment, to me, really, really looked like E.T. His, uh, his like, eye-covering stuff pulled back, and his nose and his mouth were all E.T. looking. And then he kind of looked at him. and That's not true. It's true. <laughs> I thought he looked a lot like E.T. Well, e. he felt that way. Yes. Yeah, that's true. But pictures of this creature have been published in both Time and Newsweek magazines. And here is the Newsweek photo. The film's director, Steven Spielberg, has said that... And then, Alien gets in the ship, is about to fly away. Things are being drawn towards the ship to, to help build it back up. The cubes are the, the primary element, but then it, he's been pulling up bikes and things. Um, and this locket that the kid's been holding onto, that in a number of shots that look a lot like the guy with the keys in E.T., where you just see the, the lower half, you just see the locket... Um, which represents for him uh, holding on to his mom. He always just grabs that whenever he's tense. Starts to fly away, and he holds on to it, and the, the father sees it, and then eventually he does just let it go and let it go become 
part of the ship, um, and the ship flies away, and end of the movie. Uh, so what did uh, whatever I think of the end? I really liked that whole concept of the lock-in and how that served there, because I was completely I completely forgotten about it when it showed up. Actually, and I thought that that was really like. That was a higher point for the movie for me, actually, and I thought that that all worked very well. And the actual, like, fading shot of the light fading into the the background, too, was actually really cool, too. I didn't love the locket part, actually. I thought it was uh, sort of off-topic, because we hadn't thought or, or talked about the mom in so long. And also, I feel like he should hold on to the locket, because it was his <laughs> mom's locket. It's a family heirloom. I don't agree with this sort of uh, stereotypical movie notion that he has to let it go to, to move on. I feel like he needs that locket more than uh, the alien needs it as a lining to his spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, apparently he did, though, because he wasn't willing to leave without it, it seems. <laughs> that was the the, alien? That was, yeah, see, that was the, that, the key that, piece of it. That's I guess, not true. <laughs> Why didn't he leave before? Uh, well, what do you... <laughs> Psychic link too, so yeah. maybe that's why. Oh, he needs this. No, I think he, 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 was, just, he was just attracting all sorts yeah. of metal. Yeah, it it a, wasn't like he needed the locket. There's no he implication says you. that he needed the locket. Yeah, but he might have. There was a Coke can off screen that would have rolled up and uh, <laughs> gone up there. I think that thematically, him letting go of the locket works fine. It's a, it's a good ending. I'm sure that Hurlbert is going to disagree entirely with what Carter just said. Well, of course. (laughs) I will say that in the moment, I had the exact same reaction as Connor. I was like, what are you doing? Just just keep the lock. It's it's a picture of your mom. It's really important to you. You know, just, just put it back in your pocket. I, too, had that same reaction, I have to admit. Uh, I was also, I know we just talked about the realism and... You know, maybe you can let that slide for emotion's sake, but uh, I did kind of have a problem with the fact that this metal-attracting thing was lifting cars off the ground, but the locket hadn't flown out of his pocket until this very last second, and, you know, I understood the reasoning for that, but I also, I think you mentioned this earlier, Kevin, was not as taken with the emotion of the ending because I felt like it hadn't been built up enough for me yet at that point. So I understood it, and I understood what I was supposed to feel, but I didn't quite feel it, and that was kind of a problem, but I, I appreciated the ending for what it was. John Holbert, the, my, the naive misanthrope over here <laughs> who believes in the magic of cinema and is willing to acquiesce to their demands... Oh my gosh, the locket is just, it's built up perfectly. He holds it so many times in that movie, and that represents his mother. That's all you need to see. He watches the super, uh, the, the films of her. They have that just amazingly emotional discussion with uh, Ellie Fanning, who just like, it just knocks my socks off. Just like the performance they're able to get out of her. Her character in general could have just been total throwaway nonsense. This is the girl character character. And she made it so much more than that. And, and the writing also it certainly made it more inherently than it needed to be. The ending for this movie is just why I love films. I mean, this is the, <laughs> why the reason I would want to see movies. It's just, it transcends. And I can just feel, like, my, like, kind of jaw drop. And, like, you know, my the hairs on, like, you know, my, my arm. They, like, I, get, I get goosebumps at it. And, like, it's like my heart beats faster. I feel, like, more alive in those instances. <laughs> and it's just in that moment, just that's where, like, the film just kind of transcends everything. From just being a movie to being something that can really kind of identify with it, make an emotional experience. And just added to that, it has just everything else that I love as far as just, it's just such an emotional moment because it's been building to that. And it, I think it builds perfectly and it uh, delivers perfectly. And then just with the slow motion of just like basically the city just being ripped apart, but just done in just like the most beautiful and poetic way as it takes everything into the spaceship. And with that final locket bit as it, and it goes off, that just, you know, icing. 
on the cake, cherry on the top, made me love the film <laughs> forever and ever. I'll say this about the alien's power of magnetism. I felt like, I interpreted it as not just like one giant magnet pull, but it was selectively deciding to take various things of metal. Mm, so then when he was like, okay, give me this locket too. <laughs> that was why, I, that was why I, I think that's why I'm also interpreting it as, okay, well he needs this. It's the next last little bit of metal right. for him to make his ship. Which is absolutely a, which no is, implication that that's what's happening. <laughs> that's what makes sense to me. That's what makes It makes more sense that, that he would let it go then at that point as opposed to just keeping it. Well, I feel like there's sort of a literal truth that he doesn't need the locket. Because in the literal sense... All he needs is metal. Unless his, I, I don't unless really his know like what the runs specific, on childhood yeah. melancholy. <laughs> I feel like no one wants to make movies about kids nowadays because everyone hates kids nowadays. So they're always <laughs> they're always retreating back to like the eighties or seventies or the fifties or the fifties and focusing on kids then because they don't want to see a bunch of kids like just on their like iPhones or iPods or whatever, <laughs> right. just like on right the computer on all the time. No one wants to see those kids meet an alien, so they have to go back to the 80s or 70s to do that. They probably want to write movies about kids when they were kids. <laughs> sure. that, there's that aspect of it, yeah. too. I agree with but, you, actually. <laughs> but certainly, E.T. was set during the 80s, because yes. people liked kids back then. <laughs> yeah, big also. As opposed to now, debatably. This is Connor's Questions. Some hard-hitting reporting with me, Connor Houghton. Sean Hurlbert, if you were the deputy in the town of Lillian, would you stick around and try to help the town? Hells yeah. Sean Sterling, how would you react if you found out Barack Obama had an alien captive and all this alien wanted to do was go home? I'd say let him go home, Barack. <laughs> Kevin, if an alien forcibly established a psychic link with you, would you feel violated? No, I'd be delighted. You know, and it's just going to happen anyway. You better just lie down and let it, let it go. <laughs> Katie, if Chris were kidnapped by a giant Goro-like alien, would you risk life and limb to try and save him? Of course. Chris, if you got transported into the fictional universe of Super 8, would you attempt to stop the train crash that releases the alien? No. <laughs> Especially not knowing what I know now. I gotta step in. Step in and save the government here. And keep running experiments on this alien. This has been Connor's Questions. Some hard-hitting reporting with me, Connor Houghton. Final thoughts, Sean? This movie's pretty cool. Uh, it's very suspenseful. It's very jumpy at points. The kids are cool uh, through most of it. Everything is pretty cool about this movie. I just think there's a little bit too much going on and it's not focused enough on making each individual part. Like, instead of having five really good things, it should have maybe had two great things, I guess. And I think this movie would have been capable of doing either. And I would prefer it if it was more focused in making certain things like the greatest things ever. <laughs> but the greatest thing for this particular movie. Anyway, 7 out of 10. It's good. All right, Connor Houghton. 
it was good. I would only change a few aspects of it. I would focus less on mystery and give us more information about the alien and the government interaction with the aliens. I also could have used a more personal connection with the alien, like an E.T. as you were discussing, Kevin. Chris? Uh, yeah, it was pretty good. Good, solid film. Uh, as it happens, though, I would be of the mind that if you only see in your lifetime one J.J. Abrams monster movie, this is not quite as good as Cloverfield. Mm. I liked Cloverfield better. I was sort of a, a, a big proponent of that movie. But this is good, and I would recommend it to any like-minded individual. Katie? I did like it. I know I, I had some constructive criticism, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did appreciate the ending, and I liked the movie as a whole, and I really liked the group of kids that, uh, that it centered around. All right, Sean Hilbert. I unabashedly love this film. Uh, I love the fact that it's completely uncynical about its emotion. I mean, if you like films that are emotional, it's definitely highly recommended. And it has the best use of my Sharona that I've ever seen. In <laughs> Loved it. Mm -hmm. And so I, I wholeheartedly recommend this film and easily the best film of the year. I, your host, Kevin. I liked it. It was definitely good. I think I was hoping for more, and I think that the constant reminders of E.T. made me remember how good E.T. is. I would so recommend everybody who is like, oh, I remember that being okay, rewatch E.T. very, very soon because it's really, 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 really worth your time and it's very good. And Super 8 is a perfectly decent, lot of fun popcorn summer movie. Lower expectations to that level and you will be blown out of the water, I think. All right, well, so for Sean, Sean, Katie, Chris, and Connor, I am Kevin saying have a good week. See you next time.